Well, 17 years ago, on this day, we came to be the pastor of New Life Assembly of God. It's uh, gone quickly. It's hard to believe the day's anniversary date, 17 years. But as you come to a church, one day you'll leave a church as well. And with that being said, I've tendered my resignation as senior pastor of New Life. I will be here for the rest of the month. But uh, nevertheless, it's been a joy to be your pastors for these many, 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 many years. Uh, God's brought us a long, long way. But just because your pastor's leaving, that's no sign the Holy Spirit's leaving. And God has someone to take you into deeper depths and into higher heights. I've taught in the university for a number of years, pastoral counseling, pastoral theology, and all these other curriculum they have in the religion department. And even in my own teaching, I've taught students how to accept a church, but very little teaching on how we're supposed to leave one. <laughs> but I will submit to you this. I hope and I pray to God that we leave this church a whole lot better off than the day we found it. And I want to thank each of you for your faithfulness to me and my family, your faithfulness unto the Lord, and your faithfulness unto the work of God that's here. Uh, I've had a tremendous staff to work with through the years, had tremendous board members to work with through the years, and we've loved you and got along well through these years. And uh, I hope that you'll keep us in prayer as we continue to pray for you. Uh, I don't have no idea what I'm going to do exactly. I'm not going to retire want to retire from pastoring as far as I know, but I find that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. So it's not that we're going to retire from ministry, just change seasons, so to speak, change commissions. I do hope to write a little bit more. I do hope to be able to travel more overseas, uh, and even here in the States, conducting seminars and so forth. So uh, I believe there'll be something to do for the glory of God. But again, we want to know we love you and thank you so much for your faithfulness through these years. Uh, the board was apprised of this last Sunday night. I asked them to keep it under hat. We told the staff this past Thursday, asked them to keep it under hat because I want to be the first to tell you. Uh, the board will be empowered to uh, begin the process for a new pastor. Uh, very little will be done prior to our leaving, uh, but they are well-seasoned men. They've been down this rodeo before, a time or two, some of them. For some, it's the first time. For some, it's numerous times. And for some, it's one time. But Nevertheless, with that being said, I think you're in good hands with the board and they will do you right. But above all, the Holy Spirit will do right. And it is my desire and prayer that this, that whatever's done, it seems good to us and the Holy Spirit. Amen. With that being said, turn with me please into Luke chapter 12. I begin reading at verse 54 and following. The scripture tells us, and he said also to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west straightway, you say there cometh a shower and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be heat, and it cometh to pass. Ye hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Yea, and why even of yourselves judge ye not what is right? Two little words this morning would be my text. Two little words with three letters apiece that are packed with powerful meaning. In verse 56, it says, you can. And those are the two words I want to talk about this morning, you can. Now, the word with itself, uh, can, denotes the ability or possibility. Inherit in every problem, there is potential uh, for something good to come out of it. Uh, it not only carries with it the meaning of permission, but also the ability to execute, uh, the ability to do the thing for which permission itself uh, is granted. This morning, you can exercise power over God the Father, God the Son, 
and God the Holy Spirit. Men today make machines of which they themselves can control and operate. Men throughout the ages uh, have been able to have slaves or servants or maids or, 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 or butlers uh, to bid their bidding to do what they wanted them to do. By the same token, men have been able to buy off other men and other women to get them to do whatever it was they wanted them to do. But God is not that way. God wants every one of us to follow him and to submit to him, but God will not make nor force us to do that. God has given to every one of us something that I believe that is so vitally important. He has given to us a will. And with that will, we can say yes to God, or with that will, we can say no uh, to God as well. What marvelous power that God has given to humanity. And brothers and sisters, whatever the will of God may be for your life, whatever the will of God may be for your ministry, whatever the will of God may be for this church, whatever the will of God may be for your business or your finances, you can, with your will, hold the Almighty God at bay and throw his perfect will slap out the window. I remind you the triune God stands helpless. But I remind you God is joined by the host of heaven this morning. But despite all of our efforts, you can override his will and not have the very best for your life. Now this morning, no doubt, many may be sitting here somewhat confused or somewhat perplexed. You may be saying to yourself, what's going to happen in my future? What's going to happen with my marriage? What's going to happen with my prodigal children? What's going to happen with my health? What's going to happen with my finances? What's going to happen in my home? What's going to happen uh, to the church itself? Well, if you feel that way in any respect, may I remind you that you may feel somewhat like the nation of Israel felt. You recall, I am sure, the story better than I do, that they were in the bondage to Egypt and servitude for many, many hundreds of years. And yet they cried out to God and God heard their cry and God came down and God delivered them. But he did that through a man by the name of Moses. God had prepared him for such a ministry that he had. And God sent Moses before Pharaoh. They went back and forth on what to do and not to do. And finally the plagues were outpoured upon Egypt. And the final plague was outpoured upon, G upon Egypt was the death angel. I came along and killed the firstborn male of every Egyptian uh, that did not have the blood on the doorpost and the lentils of that house. And yet they saw miracles wrought through the hand of Moses as he obeyed the Lord. Uh, that nation now was free. They saw a miracle they crossed the Red Sea. Uh, they had miracles as God led them uh, by a cloud of fire by night and a pillar by day. They saw miracles as Moses prayed and sought God and the people cooperated uh, when the manna came down from heaven. Uh, how he gave them water in a desert to drink where there was no water to be found and yet they went on and on. The miracles, the miracles, the miracles and the blessing of God. But there came a day where Moses had to step aside and yet I'm sure that some of the people didn't understand it. Some of the people were probably turning cartwheels. We're glad he's gone. Uh, some were probably jumping in the stands. It's about time he left. Uh, There's a, a different array of emotions perhaps the same way as you're having today. And God knows I'm certainly not comparing myself to a Moses but just as an illustration this morning. God put Moses in place to lead them as far as he could take them. With that being said I personally believe that God has helped me to fulfill the vision of 
this church that he's placed upon my heart. Virtually everything that I believe God has asked me to do to tell you and we've gone together, I believe that has been fulfilled. I have a heart for ministry just like Moses did. I have a heart to take us in the promised land just as Moses did. I have a heart to see God's blessings in your life just as Moses did. I have the same kind of heart. I want to see it go and grow for the glory of God. But there was a day that Moses had to simply send to the side. Nobody wants to see his hard work go down to porcelain potty. I don't think Moses did either. And yet Moses, I heard from God, and he simply said, there's a man by the name of Joshua. He's going to take over the leadership. He's going to take over the ranks. He's a man that has my power, a man that has my anointing, a man that has uh, my spirit within him. And with that being said, they, they were able to pass the baton uh, over to him. Thank God this morning he was full of the spirit. By God's help, Joshua was able to handle the work. Now get this. Where the faith faltered under the leadership of Moses for 40 years, Joshua led him into the promised land in three days. That ought to make you shout. Because the next thing that God does will be better than the last thing that God did. And I, for one, would rather walk out of this building than to be carried out of it. And I would rather walk out of this building know I have been released by the Holy Spirit than to sit here and try to hold on and hold on and hold on and watch this thing destroyed before my feet. Let me tell you, I believe with all my heart the timing is right. And I believe that God is asking us to lay it down that the Joshua may come and take you where you've never been, uh, to see things you've never seen, to experience things in which uh, you yourselves have never experienced. The faith was still tried when Joshua came. Please understand that. When the Joshua, whoever it may be, comes, uh, the faith is still going to be tried. There's still going to be Jordan rivers to part. Uh, there's going to be well-walled cities to have to contend with like Jericho. There's still going to be issues within the camp uh, like it was with Achan. And by the same token, there will still be enemies to rob, to kill, and to destroy. But I say to you this morning, God has a Joshua uh, to take over this church. And I believe that where Moses brought them out, it's going to be Joshua that's going to take you in. And I'm going to rejoice every, every bit of the way with whomever God brings to this place to take you uh, where you've never been before. Israel could have murmured. They could have complained as they did so many times. But they promised uh, that they would obey the words of Joshua. At least they gave the lip service to do so. I say to you this morning, you can trust that the next thing that God does will be better than the last thing that God did. You can get behind Joshua in your, uh, uh, in, in, in your uh, support of him. You can pray for him. You can be here when the church doors are open and take in the services he preaches to you. Uh, you can follow the vision that God places in his heart and you can say it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. But it is my prayer that whoever Joshua is will be a man full of the Holy Ghost power, full of the wisdom of God and not just want to play church but want to have a relationship with God and empower you and equip you that the anointing of God will take you to do what needs to be done. Let me tell you, Lakeland needs another spirit-filled church right here, right now, that'll do what only God can do. And I pray, bring us a man, oh God, that has a new vision, that has fire in the belly, and will do, God, what you ask him to do. Get behind, you can get behind Joshua. You can be faithful in your presence. You can be faithful in your worship. You can be faithful in your pocketbook as you've always been. And thank God you can get behind him and encourage him. You can, you can this morning see the vision of this church fulfilled for the glory of God. And not just only grow, but go for the glory of God. Friend, 
58,000 people have moved into Polk County in the last two years. One of the largest, fastest growing counties, and many are coming to Lakeland. The desire, I pray, is that a new pastor can do what I have failed to do, and that's to get us off of our blessed assurance and go out these highways and byways and compel them to come in. I pray to no end that we will get out of this building more than we ever have before and reach the lost and have a burden for it. Let's pray that God will give us that Joshua that don't just see the promised land, but will go into that promised land. God brought me as far as I can take you. I really believe that. But he's got a Joshua that we want to hand it to that can take you the further in. Friend, God has not brought this church this far just to keep us hanging. What God has started, God is able to finish and to the end. There's still many souls that need to be saved in our back door. There's still many prayers that need to be prayed from this congregation. There's still many days and weeks of fasting that we need to offer up to God. There's still many songs of worship that need to be offered to our living God. There's still more powerful sermons that need to be preached and taught behind this pulpit and around this church ministry. And there's still room in the school for more children that need a face uh, with God. And there's still more room in the children's church and the youth and the missionettes and the Royal Rangers. And there's still more people that need to be involved and committed to ministries that God has laid upon your heart. Get out of your comfort zone and let God use you in this last day as you accompany Joshua into that promised land. There's still room. What I'm trying to say is just because your Moses you've been used to is not here, that does not mean the new life of sin that God's closing its doors. The best days for this church is ahead. The church is not held together by man. It's held together by God. And God will send the vessel he needs to lead you where you need to go. You can help Joshua. Or... You can get mad and fight against the will of God. You can become angry and say, I don't understand. I have always prayed that God would give me quitting sense. Does that make sense? I've always prayed that God would give me quitting sense. There was a tribe in the Old Testament by the name of Gad. Remember reading it? Gad refused to enter into the promised land. They camped on this side of the Jordan. It must have broke the heart of God because they took second best for their life. Hundreds and hundreds of years later, Jesus was ministering in the land of the Gadarenes. Those were the descendants of the tribe of Gad. They were still encamped on this side of the Jordan. And Jesus went in ministering to those people, casting demons out of those that were possessed. And you know what the Gadarenes said? We pray you, depart out of our land, Jesus. Their forefathers rejected the promise of God by not going to the promised land and now their, their heritage, they themselves rejected the promise himself, Jesus Christ and rather than embracing him, they said, get away from us. We want nothing to do with you. You see, they were in a situation that they could have accepted but they ended up rejecting. Beloved, we have the same choice this morning. We are in an either or situation. You can get with the plan of God and help Joshua or you can rebel against the plan of God and continue not having God's best for your life. 
The choice is yours. It's left up to you entirely. You can either way. I would covet your prayers for my wife and I. God doesn't always tell you the next step, even though we feel very confident that we know somewhere the next step. But one of the hardest parts for me, and I'm going to be very blunt, is trying to find a church to go to. Because sometimes you are more, you're tolerating the churches more than you're celebrating. I'm not being ugly. I'm just being honest. We went to 30-some churches, if I'm not mistaken, 19 years ago during a sabbatical. And it was the worst experience of our life. You don't get in many churches what God has given us at this church. I'm honest with you. I, I say that to the glory of God. You don't get in a lot of churches what God has done and is doing in this church. Let me encourage you to maintain the unity of the faith. Let me encourage you to know that many times when a pastoral role is vacated, there will be somebody in the congregation that will come up and try to usurp the power. Well, let me just assure you, this belongs to the Lord. And the board will be the one, the board whom you all members elected, they will be the ones to whom you will give an account to, the ones to whom you'll make recommendations to, the ones to whom you will, you will talk to, and they will communicate with you openly. They've already met, I've already met with them. They're going to meet again tonight. There are things that they have to do by way of protocol. So trust their wisdom. If you have questions, talk to them about it. But they will have men that will come in and will candidate as they get whom they feel is the one that's next. Secondly, you can give your life to the influence of Satan if you see fit. Of course, you know that Satan's aims, his purpose, his ambition for your life. He wants to rob, to kill, and to destroy he wants to do everything he can to pull your eternal soul into the devil's hell where it will burn forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Daily and hourly, Satan is out and his demons are plotting eternal damnation for every soul that lives upon the face of this earth. And you can resist him by measure. You can try to convince yourself you're not under his influence. But Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. You will hate the one and you will cleave to the other. I don't want to walk out of this this pulpit or out of this town or out of this church without saying, be very, very aware because the enemy has duped many people to think just because they go to church and because they have a religion, everything is okay. It's not enough to go to church. It's enough to know the God who gave the church, enough to live in his power, live in his presence, and live in his will. Religion will not satisfy, but the enemy has duped so many people into believing, oh, you've got a religious experience. You give of your money. Now you tithe. You do this. You must be all right. No, sir. What matters is what do you do with Jesus Christ, and that's all that will ever matter. So you may meet me and forget me, you've lost nothing. But if you meet Jesus Christ and forget him, you've lost everything. And the thing that troubles me, I know and you know men and women who have preached behind pulpits, men and women that have sung in choirs, men and women that's been on worship team, men that have been on deacon boards, women that's led women's ministry, et cetera, et cetera, and where they're at today, they've given themselves over to the influence of the devil. They bypassed and circumvented what the word of God taught. They did what they wanted to do. They listened to the voice of the devil and as a result they're out not serving the Lord at all but yet they think they're okay simply because they have a religious experience that's given one's life over to the influence of the enemy we have one master his name is Jesus Christ which side are you on today 
You can choose, and we must make that choice. You can also outrun the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard anybody say his job is to convict the world of sin, and it is. The job of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction upon the sinner and persuade us as sinners to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord. I've heard people say, and I've said it, pray for so-and-so. They're, they're running from the Holy Spirit. They're running from God. Pray for my husband. Pray for my wife. Pray for my son. Pray for my daughter. Pray for my mom. Pray for my dad. Pray for my whomever. They're running from God, and people can try to outrun the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you something this morning, brothers and sisters. It can be done. You can outrun conviction, but you can only run so far from God that your heart will no longer be touched or sensitive to the voice of God. Years ago, I remember a, a lady that had a prayer meeting in her house uh, once a week, and all the ladies would come over, and they would pray and pray, and her unsaved husband uh, would get up and walk away. You know why? Because of the conviction. And after months of listening to that prayers, he walked up to her one time as the ladies and put himself at the door and said, you all pray all you want to. Your prayers used to bother me. They don't even touch me no more. And he was proud of that. But what he didn't know is he had hardened his heart to the voice of the Holy Spirit, the only one that could bring conviction, that could persuade him that he needed to be birthed into the kingdom of God. Friend, don't you ever believe for a minute that even though you've outrun God, don't you believe for a minute you've escaped him? You may try to outrun him, but you'll never escape him. There's going to be a day you're running down that long, long road and you want to come to the end of it and there you're going to meet God in judgment if you don't know him. And the Bible said it's appointed that a man wants to die. After that, there is the judgment and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And the God that you ran from, the God to whom you hard your heart against is the God that you're going to meet in judgment. You know what he's going to say? Not did you go to church. He's not going to say, hey, how much tithe did you give? How much offering did you give? I believe he's going to say, what did you do with my son, Jesus Christ? Because he gave his best for you and he wanted you to embrace him and love him and serve him as well. He'll show you the awful record of your life. And I say that in all due respect, if you and I are not born again Christians, we will see the awful recklessness of our life. Every thought, every sin, every action, every deed, every unscrupulous sin we've ever done will be there for all to see. And we can't do a thing. I believe it. Hold our head down and hear those awesome, awful words. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. That's a sad, sad commentary. You may think you've only outrun God, but it's only temporarily because the God that you outran, you will meet somewhere on the day of judgment. I, I think so often of King Agrippa when Paul was speaking to him. And Agrippa said, whether it was in sarcasm or not, I don't really know. But he said, Paul, come and talk to me again on this matter. You almost persuade me to be a Christian. In some ways, that's so sarcastic. You almost persuade me to be one of you. What's Agrippa saying today if he wasn't born again? What's hell look like today for those who turn down the mercies of God? Friend, there is no purgatory to go to. There is no place that you go and somebody prays you out into heaven. It doesn't work that way. We ex you can accept Jesus or you can reject him. And for those that do, they're saved. For those that don't, they're lost. For those that have accepted him, thank God the blood has cleansed and forgiven and removed those sins as far as the east is from the west. But what are the scenes like in hell today? I have no earthly idea. What is it like for those who one time backslid on the Lord, those who turned down altar call on top of altar call? What does hell, hell still burns today. In this modern day generation we live in, there are many who say, well, I don't believe it. They don't change God's mind about it. 
You ought not preach about hell. I mean, everything I learned about hell, I learned about Jesus. He's the one that told me about it. Hell is a prepared place for an unprepared people. And Jesus came to spare us from a hell that was prepared for the devil and his angels. And yet if we turn down that love and mercy of God, we're going to stand before the judgment bar of God one day and he's going to say, what are you doing, my son Jesus? Well, I did not accept him. And what did he say? Then you've got to pay for your own sins. And that means that you will die separated from God well, I don't believe. I just believe when you die, you don't, you're not no more. This old body goes back to the ground. But the spirit and the soul on the inside checks out and go to be with the Lord. If you're saved, it goes to hell if it's not. And then when the, 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 the time comes where the dead will be raised to the great white throne judgment, it is the spirit and the soul that stands before the almighty God. Christians will have a glorified body. But I believe they'll have a body that will burn forever and ever and that spirit and soul on the inside. Sinner, today may be your last chance. Fourthly, you can, despite every effort of heaven, be lost. The truth of the matter is you're lost already if you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You can be condemned while you are still living. A person can be accused of a crime and be guilty of that crime awaiting the trial. He's already condemned in his heart knowing that he's going to stand before the judge for the sentence. He's already a condemned man while he is living. And the judgment of the eternal bar of God, it says you're going to be guilty, therefore you must die. That's the court of last resort. That's the court of no appeal. That's the court you cannot break a date with. You're going to stand before God. And yet there is a way out. We have an advocate with the Father. We have a mediator. His name is Jesus. We have somebody that bore our sins in his own body that paid the price for us. You confess that you are guilty before him and thank God. God, he turns the case over to Jesus Christ and he'll remind the court you are no longer guilty uh, simply because he has already served the sentence for us, praise God. He who knew no sin became sin for us. His name is Jesus. But in spite of all that, you can be lost. But I'm glad to be able to stand here this morning and give you a brighter picture what a joy is mine to tell you, you can be saved this morning. No matter how deep in your sin, no matter what kind of sins you're committed to, no matter what bondage or addictions that may be upon you, I'm here to tell you there's one greater, full of grace, full of mercy, and has all power. All power. His blood has not gone out of business. His power has never been dethroned. His love for you has never waned. He's a God that's here this morning that wants to forgive. This church was built that you might be saved. This church continues to be built that you might be saved and set free and discipled in the things and the ways of God. Jesus died that you might be saved and yet we're every one one heartbeat away from eternity. There's never been a case too hard for God. Never been a sinner so far away from God he couldn't save. You can be saved. And finally, you can make a decision this morning that will stand for eternity. No one in hell today ever believed they would leave their last gospel meeting for the last time. 
I did some calculations a few weeks ago, and I know of over 100 people in 17 years that's died under the ministry of this church. At least 100. And not a one of them, to my knowledge, ever left this building thinking this would be the last time I'd be in this church. Not a sinner in hell this morning ever thought they'd be the last sermon they ever heard, the last song they ever heard, the last prayer the preacher ever prayed for them. They always thought, I'll be back another day. But you too, my friend, having the same thoughts this morning, opportunity is yours now. You can accept him now or you can reject him now. Several years ago, I guess about three, on July the 3rd, on a Tuesday, I got up that morning had pain in this arm. Many of you remember that. I worked all day, went home in the hot Florida sun. I mowed the yard. I jumped in the pool and cooled off. We ate dinner, and I went to the gym and lifted weights for an hour. The next day on a Wednesday, we didn't have church service that night, but we did have a church-wide July the 4th picnic. All day long, that kept getting worse in my arm and felt like heartburn. It wasn't anything bad in the chest, but something wasn't right. And by that evening when I got here, I was flushed. My blood pressure was out the roof. Sister Stevie took my blood pressure. It was out the roof. I was flushed. I was inside just shaking like something had to come out. Some thought it might have been a change in my medicine I was reacting to. I didn't know. So that night, I went home, and one of the ladies in the church called my wife and said, get him to the hospital. And being a man, what did I say? Go tomorrow. I'll go tomorrow. I'll go tomorrow if I don't feel better. So I went and got myself in the bed, and I thought, I've heard this scenario one time too many of where a spouse said, if he'd only gone, I'll go tomorrow if I don't feel better. So I swallowed my male pride, and I went down to that Hudal clinic down on the south end, which didn't do a thing, but $1,700 later, they sent me to the hospital. We go, and the guy in the emergency room said, oh, you'll be out here in 15 minutes. They gave some blood work. They came out and said, man, you've had two heart attacks one on Tuesday and one on Wednesday. They put me in surgery. The widow blocker was 100% blocked. The widow maker, 100% blocked. Another one was 80, 85% blocked. Had I put that off one more day, I may not have made it. Why do we take that kind of chance with our spiritual life? We're one heartbeat away from eternity. And the way a tree falls is the way it's going to lie. There is nobody that can pray you out of purgatory because there is not one. There's no one that can pray you out of hell because there's no way it can happen. I read a story many, many years ago about how that Satan and his imps got together for a strategy meeting. And the demons said, I tell you what, Lucifer, let's go back and put in the heads and the minds of the people that God does not love them. And they had a hoorah moment. And finally, Lucifer said, can't tell them that. They've got enough sense to read the Bible. They won't believe that God loves them. So they bow their heads again, thinking. Another demon said, I'll tell you what, go back and tell them that the word of God doesn't work. It's lost its power and authority. And that hoorah moment. And then Lucifer said, that's not going to work because the more they read it, the more faith they have. And they all bowed their heads again. And finally, Satan stood up and said, I've got the answer. Go back and put in the hearts and the minds of the people that God loves them. Go back and put in the hearts and the minds of the people that the word of God is powerful. And they looked at him and said, you're crazy. No, no, no. Tell them those things 
but just put the thought in their mind to put it off till another day. Put it off to another day. And that's what Satan wants. For you and me to know the truth, to know the love of God, to know what he can do for us. But let's just put it off to a more convenient time. There is not going to be another convenient time. For today could be the accepted day that we stand before him. And the older I get, the more I understand about my own immortality. We're standing on borrowed time, young or old alike. God wants to give us a gift. The gift is salvation. The gift is life, eternal life. The gift of peace. The gift of joy. The gift of knowing meaning of life. There are people that don't know the Lord. They're out here like a ball in a pinball machine bouncing from one activity to another trying to find something to bring peace of mind. Friend, your search for life can end right here, right now around these altars or on the internet where you're at. I read another story that comes to mind about a, a little kid, eight years old or so, just getting under his dad's skin. Nobody has a kid like that, I know. But he gave him a puzzle of the world. And he thought this will occupy that kid for at least two hours. And 15 minutes later, the kid came back and said, Dad, I put the puzzle together. He said, how can you put the puzzle of the world together when you don't even know what the world looks like? He said, it was simple. On the back side of that puzzle was a picture of the world. When I put the, when I, a picture of a man, rather. When I put the man together, the world came out all right. When we get the man together, we're going to come out all right. Would you bow your heads with me this morning, beloved? You can make a decision this morning that will stand for eternity. You can this morning say yes to Jesus or no. You can this morning get behind Joshua or rebel. You can this morning either or.